same way that Daniel viewed his relationship with the state. And, that, and I want to reiterate what we've been learning. First of all, that the land that we live in is the land of our exile. It's not our home. We love Canada. But the truth of the matter is, is we don't put our salvation in Canada. Second, it's the Lord's will that we actually live in this land at this time and at this purpose. And third, while we are in this land, we will seek to seek the welfare of this land. And so we've been going through that and we've been learning about how to, how to do that. And if you remember, these are kind of all the lessons that we've been going uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, all the way through the book of Daniel. And today we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9. And uh, we're going to learn one more thing that I believe is necessary for you and I to have in, in order to thrive in a culture that doesn't think like Jesus, act like Jesus, or talk like Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 9, one, uh, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 19 this morning. This is the Word of God. In the first year of Darius... By a uh, son of Asherah, by a descent of Mede, who was the king over the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of God, uh, to, according to the word of the Lord, to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely seven years. And then he prays. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleads for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great God and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commands, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled during turning aside from Your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belong righteousness, but to us open shame, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far, in the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery of the uh, that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belong our shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God, mercy and forgiveness, for we have been, we rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord by walking in his laws, which he set before his servants David, the prophets. All Israel has turned regressed against your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice, and the curse of the oath was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, who poured out, who, who poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. We have confirmed his words, which we, we have spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing up upon us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done in Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this commodity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept 
in this and brought this brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works that he's done, and we and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, you who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand have made a name for yourself, as it is today, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. And then the verse 16 pulls up the prayer by saying this. O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins. For the iniquities of our father, fathers, Jerusalem and the people, have come by word among all who around us. Now therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant, and his pleas for mercy for your sake. Make known your face and shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O Lord my God, incline your ear to hear, open your eyes to see and our to see our desolations in the city that is by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay, delay not for your sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What you just read, or what I just read, is one of the longest prayers recorded in the Bible, the second longest actually, and what we are reading here is we are eavesdropping on Daniel's own devotional or quiet time with the Lord. He has written down his own devotions and his own prayer. Now if you're new to Christianity at all and you're, you're not sure what a quiet time or a devotional is, let me explain it to you really quickly. As Christians, we believe that our God is alive and active. And so when you come into Christianity, it's not just a list of doctrines or spiritual truths that you live by. We believe we can talk to the God of the Bible and He can speak to us. You can have a conversational relationship right now with Him at this very instant. And so what quiet times are, or devotional times are, is it's a time that we set aside free from distraction, where it's focused, where we read the Bible and ask God to speak to you and me. And that is what Daniel is doing in this text. He is having a quiet time in his own devotions, and it's a practice that God's people have been doing for a really, really, really long time. And I believe that if you and I want to be able to thrive in non-Christian culture, then we have to have quiet times with the Lord. Now here's the thing. Many of us know we should be reading the Bible because our pastors tell us that God speaks to us through it. But here's what I've noticed. Sometimes most, uh, most followers struggle from time to time with routine and life, less than life-changing experiences reading the Bible. How many of you have read the Bible and you just haven't felt like you had a great kind of time with it? Hands up? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, you understand what I mean. Can I get a glass of water or something? No, thank you. My throat's sad. So what I want to do today is I want to explain a little bit about how Daniel has his devotional life so that you and I can have our own devotional life too. I've noticed that sometimes our devotional life looks like this. Is that the traditional way that you and I have our devotional lives is that we take 15 minutes, an hour, or whatever it is, and we read the Bible, and God talks to us, and then we talk to God, right? That's, that's pretty much how we do it. 
But I'm not necessarily sure that that is probably the best way to do a devotional life. Let me explain by illustrating that. Evan, can you come up here for a second? Everyone say hi, Evan. Hi, Evan. Okay. Hi, church. Okay. So, Evan, you're going to help me out illustrate this a little okay. bit. Evan, I want you to just start at last Sunday and go all the way to Saturday and tell me what you did this week. Uh, well, I have a one-year-old, so about three days are a blur, but I do know on Sunday. Uh, we went home for a full park at the pastor's house. It was that wicked ice storm, so we didn't make it to church because I have all season tires. Hey, guess what? I lost no board. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Keep, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then the bars, I'm pretty sure Bria did stuff, and I did school, and then we hit Wednesday... Which I finished writing a paper for school. Hey, who's your favorite Superman hero? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay. uh, after that, we went to... Hey, are you going on vacation anytime soon? I wish. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. What were you doing on Thursday? <coughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. Okay. spaghetti last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, you can sit down. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. You and I approach a relationship and our devotional life exactly like that. Oftentimes, that is exactly how you and I interact with God and His Word, is that He takes time to speak to us about something, and we, be, we respond by praying about something totally unrelated. Usually it's about our prayer request list. That's not a healthy way to communicate in any relationship. How many of you would get annoyed if I did that to you? Hands up. Yeah, you're probably a little bit annoyed. And yet we do that exact same thing with God during our devotional life. So what I want to do today is I'm going to go through the prayer. I'm going to explain what we just read. I'm going to read it all again. I'm going to go by it bit by bit. And I'm going to... As we're going to throw, go through it, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight three things that Daniel does in his devotional life that I think are helpful for you and I to do on our errors. Alright? So the first one is this, is that it's not going to be rocket science, or you haven't heard of this before, is that Daniel actually reads his Bible. Daniel reads his Bible. Listen to this. Verse 1. Or sorry, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, through Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem. Namely, 70 years. Alright, so let me set this up for you a little bit. Daniel 9 occurs during the reign of Darius, right? And Darius... Uh, that's about eight years after Daniel chapter 8. Persia has risen to power, and we Daniel has had these dreams in 7 and 8, how these four kingdoms will rule the world. Daniel's king, or Persia is one of those, and so Daniel has seen some of his prophecies uh, that the Lord has revealed to him fulfilled, right? And so what we're reading here, it takes place around roughly in the season of his life, where Daniel and the lion's den would have happened. And this is what and this is what he's doing, is he's having a prayer time, he's having a devotional time, he's opening up the Bible, and he's reading from the prophet Jeremiah. 
right? So if you remember, when we started the series, we thought we spent a little time in Jeremiah, and we, if you remember correctly, what we said is that after Nebuchadnezzar took all the Israelites to uh, Babylon, they were leaderless. They didn't know what to do. They weren't, weren't really sure what they were going to do. And so Jeremiah, the prophet, writes them a letter, and it's likely that he is reading that. It says this in Jeremiah 20, chapter 29, verses 10. For thus says the Lord, if seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope for the future. So he's likely reading that, or he's reading this, Jeremiah chapter 25. Then after seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making them an everlasting waste. And that's true. Uh, Babylon hasn't risen to this day. I will, bring about, I will bring upon that land all the words that I've uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations, for, nations, for many nations and great kings shall make slaves even of them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and the words of their hands. So let me just talk about this really quickly. So Daniel is having a devotional life, and he's reading this, and you got to remember a little bit of the context of this. How old was Daniel when we first met him? He was a teenager, right? And so these prophecies, they were written just a little bit before his time, and now how old is he? <coughs> he's in his 80s. So you remember that he's having his devotional time, he's reading God's Word, and he's in his 80s, and he's, it's been, you do the math, you, you calculate it out, it's been about 70 years. So right around now, he's kind of reading this, and he's going, this is the time. This is the time where we're going to go back. This is what we're going to do. This is really, really cool. But I want you to, and so I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I want you to see something about where Daniel starts listening to God, and it's his word. Daniel's devotional life always starts with Scripture. Okay? I can't emphasize how important it is for us as Christians to spend time in the Word. And I really, really believe with all my heart that my generation struggles more than my parents' generation finding time in the Word. And I think we need to be people of the Word. We need to study it. We need to soak in it. We need, you need to gauge what your pastors are saying by it. Uh, I'm not up here. Uh, thanks, Daryl. <laughs> I'm not up here by my own authority. If you actually think about who I am in my own life, I've got no reason to be behind this pulpit and tell you how to live your life. I, make, I don't make that much money, I got an average house, I'm not a millionaire, I got a beautiful wife, I can tell you how I got that, but I, you know what I'm saying is, is that there's no reason, I'm not a Dave Ramsey guy, I just don't have a reason why I'm up here and successful, the only reason you should listen to anything I say is because I'm trying to teach you what God's word says, and the authority that I have isn't my own, it comes from God. You and I need to be people of the Word. And as I like listening to sermons and teachings as much as the next guy, but can I just say that if you are spending more time listening to teachings 
and podcasts on the Bible than actually reading the Bible. You know what that's like? That's like eating someone else's regurgitated food. You are taking what someone else got from the Word and applying it to you. You need to nourish yourself. And Daniel is a man of the Word. He's one of the godliest men that I know in the Old Testament. And even he spends time in Scripture. You and I need to spend time in Scripture. So a few things before we go on to our next point is this. Is here's what I would ask you to do if you're finding trouble reading the Bible. Number one, I would ask you to pick from a translation that you understand. Okay? There are many excellent English translations. My two favorite that I go to are the English Standard Version or the New Living Translation. But you can pick, right? Please don't pick the New World Trans World Translation. That is the Jehovah's Witness Bible. Okay? Number two, I would ask you to mark your Bible as you read it. Okay? This actually allows and forces you to make decisions about what you are reading and gives you a better idea about the truths that God is trying to impress upon your heart. You can highlight it if you want, but I can never find a highlighter, right? God's Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, and He is also, and he is also the same part of God that is living within you. He knows what is going on in your life, and he will highlight the scriptural truths that you need to hear that day. We therefore believe that as you read his word, he will impress upon your heart and your mind those phrases, those thoughts, and ideas that speak to you. And lastly, if you're having trouble reading the Bible, I'm going to say this. It is better to read and mark a short passage of scripture carefully than skim over a long passage and not remember a thing. Okay. How many of you have caught yourself reading the Bible, and you've been going for like 15 or 20 or half an hour, and you just kind of stop and go, I can't remember what I've read. Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. Here's what I would say. Take some time and, and read a shorter section of Scripture thoroughly. Go over it. And that's what, that is what likely Daniel is doing in the Bible. He's reading, he's meditating on here, and he's sitting before here, God, and he's reading the Word of God, and he reads that 70 years from captivity, God's going to set his people free. Do you know what that would be like, friends? That would be like reading that you are getting released from prison soon, from a crime that you never committed. You're going to be free, you're, gonna, you're not going to live in bondage, you're you have been uh, you have been suffering from the sins of other people that you did not commit. You have lost your you've lost everything. You've lost your friends, you've lost your family, you lost your church, he lost his language, he was likely castrated, and because of the culture that he was in, and you're reading the Bible, you're reading this in your devotional life, and learning that it's not gonna be long since you are now in your 80s that that you will be free. What do you think Daniel will be doing? Yeah. That's exactly why. He'd be jumping up and down. He'd be like, I'm going. I'm going home. I can't speak today. I'm going home. Right? But that's not what you read in the story. When you read on, you, you get to read Daniel's prayer. And it's a prayer of confession. 
which is really, really weird. Okay? And here's what I would say to that. Um, the reason that Daniel is praying a prayer of confession in light of something that's supposed to be good news is there's two things going on in Daniel's life. Number one, you have to understand that he's had these two dreams that we just spent time about, learning about how God's people will suffer. Right? On top of that, Daniel notices is that his people have not changed their ways since they've been exiled. And so Daniel is going to pray based upon what, he's, what he spends on his word. And here's what I would actually say. Daniel does differently than you and I in our devotional life. You want to move it to the next slide. Is point number two. Daniel responds to what he reads. Okay? I don't think you and I do that. I think what winds up happening is when you and I have our devotional time or quiet time, what winds up happening is we read our daily bread or we read our section of scripture and we go, okay, that's cool. And then we go on and we pray about stuff that's unrelated, that doesn't matter to what we've talked about. But Daniel actually doesn't do that. Daniel responds to what he reads. And so what I'm going to say to you today that is different, how Daniel does his devotional life that is different than how you and I do it, is he reads and he responds to what he reads. Some of you struggle with what you read in the Bible. Have you ever thought of just praying through what you've read? Right? So you open up your Bible and it says here, and you read it, and you're like, Dear God, you notice that it says here that you will forgive. Well, I really regret struggling to believe that you've forgiven me of something for so, something so specific. And I need to talk to you about that right now. Or God, I'm reading here, I just want to be really honest. It says that if I follow you, I'll never be alone, but I feel really alone. There's a hard season for me, and I don't want to know what to do. It. That is what Daniel does here. Daniel takes some time to actually respond to what he reads. And I'm just going to go through the prayer really quickly. And I'm just going to point out four things that Daniel prays real quick. Number one, Daniel doesn't complain that God stops the suffering. Verses 3 and 4, Then I took my face to the Lord, seeking Him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, my, my confession, O God, a great awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commands. I want you to notice something about how Daniel's prayer begins. Daniel is actually overwhelmed with God's love. And that's a very weird way for him to pray, given all that he's lost and all that has happened to him. Because the truth is, is God had, could have prevented all the bad stuff from happening in the first place. Notice Daniel doesn't start all his prayers saying, God, if you only love us, why didn't you stop the suffering? Modern people pray like that way. And I think one of the fallouts of living through the pandemic and the suffering is that we are less empathetic, less compassionate, and more prone to be uh, people complaining rather than see that God has loved us through it. Going on, Daniel acknowledges his people's sin, verses 5 and 6. We have, we have sinned and done wrong and act wickedly turning aside from our commandments. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, 
who spoke in your king's name or princes or fathers or people of the land. I want you to notice all the we statements when you read the text. Okay? We have sinned. We have done wrong. We have acted rebellion. We have not listened. What's interesting about that is Daniel isn't solely responsible for Israel's rebellion, and yet he's suffering because of it. When was the last time you spoke negatively about another Christian? Did you speak negatively about another Christian to another Christian behind their back? How long ago was it? Last week? Last month? Last year? Notice something, is that Daniel is suffering because of the negative decisions that other people have made, and he doesn't point it out first, he points his own sin out first. Okay? If you have spoken negatively about another person without first acknowledging your own sin, you are in danger of a critical spirit and being a gossip. Okay? Daniel, on the other hand, spends some time and he recognizes not only his people's sin, but his own sin in it. And so here's what I would say is that if we believe that our culture and our churches and our other Christians are drifting away because of sins, we would do well to confess our own sins before we point the sins of others out. Okay? I don't think it's a thing that we do very often anymore. When was the last time that you acknowledged your own sin openly before other people? That's what Daniel does. Thirdly, Daniel notices that his people are to blame, not to God, seven, verses 7 and 12. There are no excuses. Daniel doesn't blame God for the bad thing. Have you ever noticed that when someone gives an apology, sometimes they try to offer an explanation, but the explanation comes off making it seem like they are minimizing their responsibility. Hands up, I feel you said that, right? So you're going to work, and maybe, maybe you're coming home, and, and you just lost it on the kids, or lost it on your spouse, and you just said, oh man, I'm sorry, it was just a bad day at work. Anyone ever said that? Right? Well, when you do that, what you're essentially doing is you're minimizing your, your part of it, or you kind of say, I'm sorry this happened, the kids were just so angry at me. You're just trying to blame other people for what is going on. When you do that, you minimize your part of the problem, your, 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 your responsibility in the problem. So don't do it. When you apologize, and here, this is an apology prayer that Daniel is praying, what you should do is you should just say, I was wrong, and I take full responsibility. And if they ask you for an explanation, then you give it. But you don't see that in here. <coughs> Daniel acknowledges that his people are fully to blame and not to God. Lastly, Daniel notices that his people haven't changed. Verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has, has been brought upon us, and we have not <coughs> entreated the favor of our God turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by truth. Okay. So he's noticing that it's been 70 years and the people really haven't changed. They're still doing the same things. They're still worshiping the other God. God has broken them, 
taken away from their home, and they still haven't learned the lesson. The whole point of that, of them being in exile, was because they, they, they forsook their first live love to begin with. And all this is really to say is that Daniel responds to what, is read, what he reads. Most times in our devotional life, we don't do that. God takes time to speak to us about something, and we respond by praying through something totally unrelated. And that's usually our prayer request. So remember how we talked to you at the beginning and said that this is how we usually do it? I think Daniel's model is something more like this. Is that God takes time in his word to speak to me about his thoughts, actions, and desires. Step two, I respond back to God about what he has said to me. Okay? And step three... If there is time and I still want to, we talk about the other things that are on my mind. But you always start with what God wants to say to you. So, how does that work out? Can you write down the word SOAP? SOAP for me. This is my acronym. I found it. It's been really helpful in my own devotional life. This, is, uh, this stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and basically, here's what you would do. Here's how I do my devotions, if it's helpful at all for you. I would take a passage, and I would read the passage, and I would mark the passage, and then what I would say, I would, I would take some time to journal, and I would make one observation about the text that I read. So the one example on the screen is from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, which says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, I beseech you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Then you will be able to know God's perfect will for you. Right? So here's the observation that I made. Our bodies are living sacrifices that I, start, that, I'm stop, that I need to stop conforming to the patterns of this world, and then I will be able to know God's will. So that's sort of the observation in the text I made. And then there's the application. This is what I said. So often, I start with seeking God's will in the reverse order. The passage clearly shows me that I am not able to know God's will until I first lay down myself to God, my own will and my own desires and sentiment. Then I need to ensure that I am not just following along with the world. Then I will be able to discern God's will. So here's what I do differently every time I do my devotions. Every time I seek God's will, I make a promise. And this is a, this is a dangerous promise to make. Is I commit to doing your will before I know what it is. Why? Because I just read it in the text. Okay. What does the text say? Surrender, and then you know God's will. Okay? Mike. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Surrender, and then you know God's will. I don't know how many of you have ever had a time in your life where you're like, God, I really want to hear your word. I want to speak to me. Open up the word to me. And, and what you're really doing is you're, you're wanting God to speak to you. You're wanting him to have an experience. And then you're going to decide whether or not you're going to follow him. You want to hear him speak, and then you're going to decide, well, I'm going to do that or not. No, 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 no. You surrender, and then God reveals His will. Okay? 
You see what I'm saying? So that's just the way that I respond to the text. Daniel prays through it. Lastly, Daniel talks about what is on his mind. Now therefore, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas of his mercy. And for your sake and our sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear upon the eyes and see our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of our great, your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. What's he praying there? He's praying that the people go back soon. Okay? But it's done at the end of the prayer. It's done after God has talked to him about what his God is on is on in his heart. And that's what separates Daniel's devotional life and prayer life from yours and mine's, is that whatever God says to him, he responds, and then after, he talks about what is on his heart. You want to know why you can do that? Because it makes you more prone and more willing to listen. In verse 20, which Evan will talk about next week, God actually responds to his prayer. And this is how it goes. It says this. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, the God of my holy hill, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the first time, came to me in a swift flight at the end of the evening and sacrificed. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. You see what's going on there? Daniel reads the word. Daniel responds to the word. Daniel talks about what's on his heart. And then God speaks. And I think in order for you and I to live in a culture where we do not uh, conform the same way that everyone else does, you and I desperately need to hear God's voice. Right? Amen. Amen. So here's what I would say. Model your devotional life after that. And is that good? Amen. Good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you were able to help me speak uh, today, even though my voice is gone. We're so grateful for your goodness and kindness. And the truth is, God, we want it. We do want to hear you speak. We want to know what your word says day in and day out. So as we have our devotional life and our quiet time, God, would you reveal to us in our, your word the things that you want us to, that you want to impress upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it great that we, have, we serve a God that wants to communicate with us, wants to speak to us? This, Song says, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul.